Hello and welcome to While You Were Sleeping. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> A curatorial tea and culture podcast. <laughs> I'm Hayden Rogers. And I'm begrudgingly Michael Mandelios. <laughs> and today I am uh, coming to you live, not live, from Gadigal land in the Eora Nation, also known to white people as Sydney. And I'm still living and working on Yagara and Turrbal land. I did find out, actually, I went and found a map and it turns out I was right. The inner city suburbs of uh, Brisbane, um, Mm. there is actually an intersection of those two language groups, which is why in most of those inner city suburbs, you will acknowledge both the Yagara and Turrbal people, because chances are you are actually on both of their lands simultaneously. So I'm on Yagara and Turrbal land in Mianjin, otherwise known as Brisbane. And I would like to acknowledge the elders past, present and emerging as we come here to tell some more stories from all around the world. I think that's super cool that you're on two lands at once. Yeah, it is, isn't it? So this week we are looking at something which we actually identified uh, last season as a potential um, topic of discussion. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And it's happened. Uh, It's Yerba Mate, um, which is... Kind of like crazy that I uh, that we don't know much about it. Like, I didn't know much about it at all. Uh, last year, November of last year, was the first time I'd ever tried it, and it was introduced mm. to me by my friend. And we'll get to that actually because my friend who introduced it to me is from Syria. Um, mm. But and we're about, mm. and we're, we'll find out later in the episode why why my Syrian friend introduced me to this drink that is traditionally Argentinian and Paraguayan and Brazilian and Brazilian. And yeah, well it it is, it's like, it's an ancient beverage. It's basically my research has indicated to me that this is just the tea that never was tea. You know, it's like, this could have been tea, but it wasn't. (laughs) Can you imagine, can you imagine if Yoba had become as ridiculously, prolific and famous as black tea or green tea. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll like probably explore this throughout Mm -hmm. the episode. But I mean, the basics, the basics are that yerba mate is the plant and it makes a drink called mate. And that's what it's called when it's hot. And when it's cold, it's called terere. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. And the difference really is just that one's hot and one's cold. And because one's cold, it's also milder. Um, Because you just don't get as much flavour out of something that's brewed cold. Something that I thought was really cool is that the name itself, so yerba is the Spanish word for herb, of course, Mm. but the plant is not a herb. It's a tree just kind of very similar, actually, to a Camellia sinensis tree, just a little bit different, and, of course, native to subtropical rainforests, which is very different to, you know, the, the terrain where we'd expect to find a Camellia sinensis tree. My favourite thing is that its botanical name or its Latin name is Elex Paraguariensis, which I definitely had to practice before we <laughs> recorded this. <laughs> yeah. And isn't it, I, I think I read it was part of the holly genus. That's right. It is. It's basically a holly tree. Um, yeah. But also, the, and then the other half of the name mate, it just refers to the vessel in which you drink it, which mate is a gourd. Oh, um, right. Okay. So, like, you drink mate out of a mate. (laughs) (laughs) Very good, yeah. (laughs) I should have said it is actually technically a shrub um, at first, and then 
if you leave it without cutting it in a natural rainforest, it can grow to 15 to 20 metres, which is pretty wild. And that's when it becomes classified as a tree. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realise that you could change your classification just by growing. I feel like, you know, that's very um, woke. <laughs> botanical, <laughs> the botanical community is very uh, woke. woke. That's <laughs> funny. <laughs> oh, so growing conditions. So well, while, okay. while we're on the subject of where it grows, so the tree, the tree grows in um, subtropical rainforests in Latin America, as we mentioned, and unlike tea, it is very difficult to grow it outside of its native habitat. And the reason for that is that, for one thing, the seed needs to pass through the digestive system of a toucan before it can... Yeah, that's right, in order for it to be able to grow into a tree. So, yeah, it's very difficult. And also because um, the... That is some super circle of life... (laughs) Very circle of life. (laughs) Yeah, and so it also is very difficult to grow as well because uh, the seeds require something which is called stratification, which is basically a a cold period. So it it Mm. really requires on on the temperate nature of the rainforest and the life cycle of the rainforest in order for this tree to grow. And also it can take anywhere from two months to a year for the for the tree to basically germinate mm, yes yeah, so i read that it took like they sort of do this like uh, alternating harvest thing where because it takes quite a long time for the tree to get back its leaves in order to survive between uh, harvest so they sort of do every two years they harvest uh like half yes. the plantation and they also they have to prune the branches don't they so that they can keep it at a kind of manageable size no idea but if you say so i believe you I believe that that's something. Although you can grow it in a tiny little pot indoors if, you, if you're willing to just grow like a really teeny tiny little yerba shrub. Kind of like growing, I, I think of it like growing, um, you know, your kitchen herbs in your backyard or in, in your, on a windowsill. Oh, beautiful. So I guess that's like point number one as to why it's not as famous as tea or coffee or cocoa because of just like the geographical conditions. Though, I did read that there was sort of, which makes more sense now to me, that it was like a big thing when uh, the Jesuits were able to uh, take the seeds and grow them in Argentina as opposed to Paraguay. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I, it was like a big thing. It was like, oh, the secrets. And then also what happened, This is I'm just moving into history, so deal with it. Um, <laughs> also what happened was that, um, the Jesuits then were expelled. There was like this period at the end of the seventeen in the seventeen seventies, rather, where uh, like the the Spanish and that sort of region of Europe decided to expel Jesuits from the empire. Um, and so, by the way, Jesuits are the Society of Jesus. Like, um, and yeah, and then so they got like expelled out of the colonies. Um, and their secrets of of like domesticating the plant were lost until you know more recent modern times wow okay cool yeah it is kind of cool but also love that it's like another thing where it's like cool this ancient culture had this ancient healing medicinal drink and then white people came, came. along 
and stole it from them and forced them to grow it for them. (laughs) But what's interesting is that that hasn't really carried through then into Western culture. Yeah. Yes. Like Yerba Mate is not really popular or well known in any of the major Western nations. Yeah. And I guess I I was trying to figure out why that was. And I I really only have theories. Um, And I guess that's what we're looking at. But like. We love a theory. (laughs) Well, I think it just came, it was just discovered too late. Um, Basically, like. Yes. We had the Silk Road. Like we've talked about the Silk Road. That was super old. That was hundreds of years before. um, Hundreds of years before. Before the Spanish arrived in South America. So. Tea was already huge, you know. By the 1600s, this is like we're well into this is the British Empire. Yeah, we're well into warfare over yeah. tea at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're well into you know the opium wars and everything. Yeah, 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 for sure. Everything seems to happen around the 1600s, though. Yeah, it was a big time for it was screwing over indigenous cultures. A big time for 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 drinks, yes, and for mass colonial oppression. And we just keep coming back to that. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of hand in hand with beverages apparently or really just well, it's like hand in hand with globalization with yeah with globalization and trade like mm. yeah so that's why my first part of the theory is that it's just like it came too late and then as a result like also it wasn't discovered by the british so they didn't have like the british empire disseminating it everywhere and it also just didn't have the like investment because also at this point, like, coffee is also taking off, which is another thing from South America. Yeah. So, again, capitalism yeah. has a role to play. Yeah. So, something that really interested me was because my friend Amir, I was doing a show um, with with another actor who was from Syria. And he had just arrived in Australia about a year or less than a year prior and so we were in um, in our tech rehearsals, which is, you know, your last week of rehearsals before you open the show. And one day Ahmed brings mate along with like, you know, tea, all, all the all the beautiful, um, all the beautiful crockery and the teapot and everything. He brings mate to the to the theater and makes it for us all. And we all try it. Um, and it was so cool. And I was like, oh, wow, you know. This is what they drink in Syria. And then we got talking about mate on the show and you were like, it's from South America. And I was like, but is it? I'm confused now because my first experience with yerba mate was from a friend who was from Syria. And I was like, okay, how did this drink become popular in the Middle East? So, of course, that's where I went digging. So I decided to find out how it is that Yerba Mate became popular in Syria specifically. Yes. So the link there is that, um, so even in 1936, which is when there were the first records of Yerba Mate being exported out of Argentina, even then Syria consumed over 39,000 kilos of. Oh, yeah. Okay. 39,000 kilos of Yerba. And now, of course, it's even higher. And so, and as of about. I think 2017, Argentina exported over 22,000 tonnes to Syria and 800 tonnes to Lebanon. So that's quite a lot, especially when you consider that, you know, trade in Syria and Lebanon um, is very difficult because, of course, there's civil war going on in that area at the moment. Mm. But from about 1860 to 1912, there was immigration of Syrian and Lebanese people from 
the Middle East to Latin America. This is this is kind of pre the First World War. So there was um, there was a civil war in 1860 in Lebanon, and then in the 1870s there was uh, the Ottoman Empire uh, occupation mm. in Lebanon and Syria as well. So then from the 1870s through the 1900s through the 1910s, uh, the Ottoman Empire really started to kind of uh, oppressively occupy in Syria and Lebanon, and there was a huge mass migration and a lot of uh, of Arab people from Syria and Lebanon emigrated to Argentina and to other other areas in South America. And then there was another wave of immigration after the First World War as well, because then the Ottoman Empire kind of collapsed and handed over to the French. And so again, there were more conflicts and more people fled again uh, from the violence and again fled to uh well all kinds of places but south america as well and then there was yet another wave of immigration (laughs) after the second world war so basically there's a huge population like a big crossover link there yeah exactly huge crossover link because there was almost you know the better part of about 60 years worth of people fleeing syria and lebanon to south america and then after the second world war had finished Around the 1970s or so, so a little while later, all of these waves of immigrants started kind of returning home. But of course, they had picked up traditions and they picked up customs while they were living in South America. And one of the things that they brought back was yerba mate. Mm, yes, I read also there was like a, a point sort of around that early mark that you mentioned in like the 1800s where like. There was like a prince or something from Argentina or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on. I know I know exactly what you mean because um, I just saw it. It was the the emperor of Brazil encouraged immigration after yeah. he visited Lebanon. Yeah, yeah. That was what I read. It was sort of like the popularizing thing yeah. that like he sort of went and visited and at the same time there was like immigration and yeah, it was sort of like, hey – also mate. Yeah, so I read that some I read that there are roughly somewhere between 17 and 30 million Arab people still living in Latin America at the moment. And that kind of blew my mind because I had wow. no idea. Yeah, it's like a huge uh thing. That's a huge population, a huge number of people who are immersed in that culture and and you know, presumably kind of exchanging culture. Between yeah. those those two regions, which is awesome and super cool, but also that's that explains why my friend from Syria introduced me to yerba mate. I think that um also the way you make mate is real cute as well. Oh yeah, let's talk about that. Well, I I was reading and it was like you get your 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 mate gourd and you fill it like three quarters with mate leaves and then you like tip it to one side and tap it so that you create the little valley and the big mountain and the little mountain. Sorry, so there's like one side is like you can imagine what happens if you tip it on side and tap it. <laughs> like all the stuff goes to one side, and then you put a little yeah. cold water in the valley side. And you can stick the straw in and then you fill the rest of it up with hot water. And I think the idea is that you're supposed to drink from like underneath the leaves because otherwise you're sucking up all these leaves because they don't do like tea bags. And it's like the loose leaf is in there because you refill it over and over again. Yeah, that's right. And interestingly, um, then again, you know, exchange of culture and whatnot in the Syria and Lebanon, they do drink it differently as well. 
Hmm. So in in Syria and Lebanon, they'll actually just add hot water to the the gourd, which has the yerba in it, and then they'll just stir it, which you know in in South America would be <laughs> probably pretty blasphemous when when they're used to creating their little mound and their valley. Um, but yeah, that's what they do. They stir it, and then they they'll have a straw, which will just be made with um. Well, actually in in South America, they they call it a bambia, I think, which is the the straw. Whereas, um, so I th- and I okay. think that name has actually carried across over to Syria and Lebanon. But in Syria and Lebanon, the straw will have, or the bombia will have, a kind of filter on it, so that they don't, um, you know, yeah, drink mm. the leaves or swallow the leaves. Um, also, a couple of differences is that um, in Syria and Lebanon, they will clean the the straw, the bombia with a lemon slice because there'll be a lemon slice that comes on the tray that it's served with. Um, huh. Yeah. And the, and so you kind of just like, you know, you just wipe off the straw and then you share, you stre- share the bombilla between people. Um, oh. And I believe in both cultures, um, they'll serve it with, with a few other added flavors like lemon peel and maybe sugar and things like that. But I don't think it's as common in South America. I think in South America they they kind of just stick to the the yerba mm. itself, just set on the table, you know, with like a kettle or whatever. Whereas in Syria and Lebanon, it comes presented kind of on a on a plate mm. or a tray. Well, I just like thought it was also wild how it is like pretty much mimics all the health benefits of tea as well. This mm. was the other thing. It's like, it really is the tea that wasn't tea because... <gasps> Hang on, sorry. Just before we keep going, because I kind of want to stay on this because you're about to go off in a very different direction. Yes. <laughs> I was wrong about the bombia. I forgot about this. In Lebanon and Syria, it's most likely to be called a masasa. And it's similar. Masasa. It's very, very similar as a filter on the end as opposed to, um, as mm. opposed to the bombia bombia which probably wouldn't also a masasa is probably about half the length of a normal bombia uh so that's that's a pretty major difference there as well something that they have in common is that both a bombia and a masasa will traditionally be made of silver or alpaca and when i first read alpaca i was like what it's made of a llama (laughs) i literally thought they had made it out of the bone of an alpaca and i was very concerned Uh. So if you, like me, are a fool and didn't know that alpaca is a kind of metal, um, rest, rest assured that I'm, I'm just as ignorant as you are. Um, I didn't know that. Okay, good. Well, that makes me feel better. So, yes, a bombilla or a masasa can be made out of either silver or alpaca, which is kind of like a nickel, a nickel metal that's blended with silver, I think. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, sh- should, I, should I actually just, like continue from where i left off or should i start again um start again i think it's just like very it it very much is if you look at the health benefits of yerba mate it's very much like the tea that never was tea because it has all of the same benefits literally like almost identical it's quite alarming it's like has less caffeine than coffee but a little bit more than tea has like things that make the caffeine good for you has uh, antioxidants, boosts your mental focus, and helps you lose weight, like all that stuff. It's all like these things, all the same. Tick, 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 tick. 
Um, yeah, it's yeah. considered to be a very, very, very healthy drink. I came across an ad for it, actually, in my <gasps> research. I found, like, a YouTube ad for a really popular um, yerba mate company in Brazil. Mm. And it was very, very, like, very heavy on the health benefits and basically just spouting, you know, it's healthier than tea, it's healthier than coffee. Here's why it's so great for you. And just rattled off all of these things, basically touting it as, like, you know, think like the way that they advertise kombucha now. It was mm. basically like that. Um, well, very interestingly also on that sort of note, I think I was reading this little um, article, which I didn't go into because it was like a full like economics article. I was like, no, thank you. Um, about like the, the, the future of Yerba Mate because it's like, well, it's not popular around the world and it, it's not growing as a demographic or whatever um, in South America. It's just sort of like stable. Mm-hmm. So how does it go forward? And apparently they think that's potentially going to be through as like an energy drink oh, supplement right. thing. Um, because, and apparently it's already a thing in America. There's like a soft drink, like a yerba mate right. soft drink, something that like apparently lots of students drink in like, Keep them awake and be able to study. Fascinating. Like that. That's really kind of like guarana became such a big thing in energy drinks for a while. There. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Very similar. Very interesting. Cool. Well, while while we've taken a little step away from cross culture, I want to come back because guess what? There's one other country where yerba mate is surprisingly really popular. And I bet you, you can't guess, but I'm going to give you no. three goes. <laughs> okay. Um, China. No. Australia. No. We would was I close? We would know if it was Australia. <laughs> I guess that's true. Um, okay. Something out of the box. Yeah, go, go obscure. Uh, okay. Russia. Ooh, very close. Poland. What? Ah! Poland is... So, if, um, I found this amazing article. There's a website... For our listeners, if you want to go do more research on Yerba Mate, there's a website called Yerba Mate, and then it's just the letters R-O. So it's just Yerba and then M-A-T-E-R-O, like uh, Yerba Matero or something, dot com. Uh, And on this website, I found this article about its popularity in Poland, and they've got a link to, like, Google Trend Statistics. Mm -hmm. So as of the time when the article was published, the number one location for search results including yerba mate was paraguay which makes sense then number two was argentina number four was uruguay and number five was chile but number three was poland wow wow i know so bizarre and the reason is that once again there was a massive movement of polish immigrants to Argentina and Brazil in the 1800s. So we've got like a really, and actually around a very similar time. So the the first mass migration from Syria and Lebanon was the 1860s. Polish immigrants moved to Argentina and Brazil in the late 1800s because uh, Poland was divided into partitions at the time that were occupied by Russia, Prussia and Austria. So they just kind of fled as far across the world as they could. And they arrived in Argentina and Brazil. But here's what's really interesting. Unlike Syria and Lebanon, it got brought back really soon, but didn't take. Mm. So in 1882, 
um, Polish people started returning back to Poland and coming back with Yerba Mate, but Poland was still separated um, into those partitions, which meant that Russia, Prussia, and Austria were in charge of trade, and they didn't want any um, rivalry for coffee or tea because they had such such strong trade interests in coffee and tea. So they basically kind of squashed out the competing product and Yerba Mate kind of, you know, disappeared off off the market in Poland. That's actually super fascinating. And then it gets better. In oh. <laughs> 1918, when Poland regained their independence, theoretically that would have been kind of the moment where new markets and opportunities would have opened but within about 20 years of gaining independence, unfortunately, the Second World War then started and again in, in decimated. <laughs> yeah, and decimated the economic landscape in Poland, not to mention, you know, the huge, huge loss of life and depression. Um, but it meant that, again, you know, the, this cultural exchange just didn't take root. Then. <laughs> oh. So they were on. Uh, Poland was under Soviet control until 1989. And finally, 1989 was when free trade reopened and Polish immigrants were able to return to Poland with the Yerba Mate. Um, But of course, it was post-war, so they they were still kind of struggling to re-establish economic strength. So it took a little while, but basically in the in the 1990s was when finally, over a hundred years later, after the first kind of discovery of Yerba Mate by Polish people did it finally start taking, like, a really popular route in Poland? Mm. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Also, like, another point where it's like, this could have been the next big beverage, and then it didn't happen, you know? I know. But, hey, it's big over there, and that's what counts. Maybe, maybe, Maybe we should give that a little more credit. It may not necessarily be tea, but how's this? In Argentina in 2018, sales reached 261 million kilos. Oh. Just just within the country. And then an additional 43 million kilos in exports as well. That's the thing. They actually should get onto this. This could have been big because you actually need to use a lot more in the drink. It's like But maybe it is big. Maybe it's massive and we just don't know it. I guess that's true. We are just Two silly white boys. <laughs> in Australia. Yeah, I do feel like that's sort of the thing. It's like, this is obviously a massive craze for millions of people. And it's just not Western. <laughs> yeah, but in fairness, in comparison, China produced over two and a half million metric tons. <laughs> in 2017 so Mm -hmm. i guess by comparison that's a pretty big step up yeah yeah as we say not as much investment in that uh, not 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 quite playing in the same ballpark as tea on that note let's get to drinking yes please day drinking Welcome back to tea tasting time. <laughs> um, there needs to be a song. Isn't there a song that's like that? Like, 
I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. Very good. Don't worry. Don't worry. So, so what have we got here today, Hayden? Well, today we're trying two tea tonics and, and one organity. Lovely, lovely. We love returning to old friends. Yeah. And, and this week they're all sort of in the herbal, not, so none of them contain actual Camellia sinensis plant. How exciting. Yeah. So wh- where should we kick it off? Um, I don't really know. <laughs> I feel like we should, I feel like we should leave the organity for last. Hmm. Let's start with the well-being. I'm intrigued by this one. <laughs> okay, yes, good. I agree with this. Wellbeing tea seems like kind of like a a main course tea or something. So what, what's um, in it? What can you tell us? So all of these teas are going to be boiling water because they're, you know, not chameleons and sinensis. And also it's a long steeping time. So you can do any of these for up to 10 minutes. And as we always say, you could probably just leave the, the tea in, you know. Um, but this one, uh, is, I'm very, I don't know what to expect. It smells very grassy. Um, alfalfa, spearmint and candula, calendula, sorry. And it's, um, all organic, but yeah. What, what's your first reaction? Well, I've, I've never had alfalfa in a tea before, so I'm very intrigued by that as a choice. Um, calendula on the other hand, not so foreign. Um, so I think it will be fine. But I, I am intrigued by this alfalfa. Let's have a let's have a bit of a sniff. I left mine in for about eight minutes, so it's probably going to be pretty strong. It smells very spearminty now, it but does. when it was first brewing, it was just like it smelled like grass. Right. Yeah. No. It smells like a pretty minty tea now. So I feel like maybe it's just going to be a bit of a. I feel like the alfalfa is and the calendula are there are there to deceive us. Maybe. Let's give it a go. Let's give it okay. a go. Oh. Yeah, I think you're kind of right. <laughs> like, oh, uh, no, I'm getting something else. Detecting something. I am. It is so the the spearmint's there and it is pretty strong, but I can definitely taste what I think is the alfalfa, and you know why? Bear with me. Why? You know when you have like wasabi yeah. and right before the moment where your sinuses feel like they're going to die. The wasabi just kind of tastes just like, well, a plant because it is. Like, yeah, like horseradish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's not horseradish, but it sort of is. Um, no, it is. It's the same thing. No, that's what I thought as well, but they're not. Really? Yeah. Yes. So horseradish is the root normally. When you, when mm. you eat horseradish, you eat the root, whereas wasabi is the stem. Oh, yeah. Okay. So wasabi is not made from horseradish root, right? Mm. Anyway, but nonetheless, your point still stands. Yeah, you can just kind of taste the the plant itself rather than kind of the spicy fire that comes immediately after it. <laughs> and that's kind of what I'm getting with this alfalfa. It's that it's almost like the taste of wasabi in that split second before it becomes burning, <laughs> spearmint burning. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. You're you're only getting mint from this. I'm only getting spearmint. Okay. It's <laughs> it's look. It's good. Um. I don't. I don't really have anything particularly profound to say about this one. It's fine. It's a decent spearmint tea. Me too. I'm. I'm. I guess a little disappointed that it doesn't taste like like alfalfa for yeah, some reason. Yeah. I don't know. Not why, that I would. I... Not that I would want that. Like. 
like I'm sure the spearmint is there to cover up the alfalfa flavor. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure but, it would make me feel very well. You know what? Mm-hmm. Now that it's like just I haven't drunk it for a hot second and it's just sitting there like in my mouth, I'm just sort of like, oh, yeah, there is that sort of like grassiness yeah. in the aftertaste. Okay. Okay. So, so, so there's something there. There's something. Yeah, I'm ready to move on, though. Like, it's fine. It's good. It's a, Absolutely. It's a solid offering of a peppermint tea, but it, there's nothing much more to it than that besides the sneaky little grass flavour. Well, we're going to move on then to another tea tonic. This one sounds like it's going to be a lot more confronting. A lot more full-bodied, for sure. Um, yeah. It's supposed to be anti-inflammatory and antioxidant-loaded. Um, this is turmeric, beetroot, and ginger tea. Interesting. Um, again, boiling water. You can do it for up to 10 minutes or forever. Um, oh, it says serve hot or chilled with honey and or lemon to taste. Ooh. Interesting. Um, so... It has a, a, a long list of ingredients, actually. Ginger root, beetroot, carrot, hibiscus. This is like a vegetable tea. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, like, it's like one of those like, V8 juices. Yeah. Um, moringa leaf, natural flavor, turmeric, fennel seed, bilberries, black pepper. And a lot of these are organic. Bilberries. Um, yeah. So I'm... Fascinated. I've never had a tea that has like beetroot and carrots in it. Um, I'm definitely very intrigued. Also, when was the last time we had something with moringa leaves in it? Never. I d- never. Right. Um, it smells like very gingery, but you can also smell the beetroot. It's like, and obviously Ooh, it's a deep like, red, red color from the beetroot. Yeah, geez. Okay. All right. Let's give it a go. Oh. Whoa. Yeah, okay. Um. Wow. Um, indeed. Um is very, it's very that. It's... Mm. The ginger and the beetroot weirdly works. It does, it does. But I'm not going to say that it's like... Oh, it's amazing. It's lovely. I don't think the purpose of this tea is for it to be lovely, though. No, it's obviously a health tea. Mm. Um, although, and the, like, there's actually, there is spiciness from the black yes. pepper. Um, and probably from the ginger a bit as well. But, like, yeah, it's quite sweet as well when you get over the fact that it kind of is very savoury in flavour. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, actually, you know, ginger nut biscuits? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, like, yeah. they've got it's that kind of, like, acerbic <laughs> bitiness <laughs> to it, but you kind of low-key love it, even though it's punishing you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's ginger, isn't it? <laughs> that <laughs> like, is ginger. <laughs> um, no, but I get what you mean, because there's other flavours in here that sort of vibe that as well. Yeah, because beetroot is one of those things where it's, like, it's delicious, but also you're conscious of the fact that it's healthy when you're eating it. Like, you definitely don't eat beetroot and go, ooh, what a treat. No. Although I think mean, I love beetroot, but I do too. I consider it I do a too, treat. but like I don't think of it as like you know something that I'm gonna like naughtily have. <laughs> I think maybe it's the sweetness and like actually like the the sort of body of beetroot and carrot and things like that that makes it quite 
reminiscent yeah, of that, like, biscuit. Yeah, I agree. And like, the, it's the you're right, the carrot, it's giving it that kind of, yeah, that kind of biscuity sweetness. I The more I drink it, the more I like it, which, like, I think once you too. settle into it a little bit, it, it, it kind of wins you over. Yeah, and it's like not, you, you try and you're like, this is unlike anything mm. I've ever had. <laughs> and then... Yeah. Yeah, but then once once you've sat with it for a bit, it doesn't feel so foreign anymore. Mm. 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 You've adjusted. Mm. Mm. I think it's interesting. I think I also if you like peeled back some of the ingredients, you'd have a very like uh sweet fruity tea. Yeah, 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 for well. sure. Like if you got rid of the ginger and the pepper. Yeah, essentially. Mm. It could I be kind really of actually love this mm. now that I've ha- had some time I, with it. I definitely <laughs> wasn't sold at first. I'm sort of feeling the same. I'm like, wow, mm. actually, this is quite nice. <laughs> okay, we should move on. Okay. Last but not least, do you want to introduce this one, Michael? <laughs> I, I really do. Thank you <laughs> so much. So this is from uh, our dear friends at Organity, and it's part of the, <laughs> is it the Blissful range? Uh, no, it's the Luscious Lane. Thank you. Lange? It's range. Part of, it's part of the Luscious range. And I'm particularly excited for us all to be experiencing this tea because this one is called Tickle Me Licko Mint. <laughs> Which, I mean, what a gift. What a gift to get what to a try gift. a tea called Tickle Me Licko Mint on the show. But here we are. So what's in it, Hayden? Uh, well, it contains peppermint, licorice, aniseed, fennel. Ginger, citrus, and lemon myrtle. Lovely. I'm always a little confused when someone just says citrus. I'm like, what does that mean? Have you blended up like mm. oranges and lemons and limes? Which, which citrus? Like, what, what, what have you done? Where's the citrus come from? Is it a quandong? Ooh, a mandarin? A, an, a bergamot? <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think it sounds to me and smells to me like a... Pretty standard liquid yes. tea. But there are some other ingredients in here that are unusual. So yeah, we'll see what I'm happens. Keen. I it smells it smells good. It smells like what I'd expect, but it does smell very robust. You tried it without me. I can see you. <laughs> I thought you were trying it. Okay, here we go. Ooh. Hmm. Oh. Oh, we've had lots lots of unexpected things today. This was not at all what I thought it would taste like. No, because I'm not really getting... I'm getting mint, of course, but, like, nowhere near as much as I thought I would. Yeah. But I don't think that what I'm... I don't think that the other thing that I'm tasting is the licorice. It's like... I agree. But then what is it? Is it the fennel? No. Because fennel and aniseed are sort of the same profile, like... Okay, the licorice is coming through more now, but... It's like, maybe, I don't know. I think it's, yeah, I think it's sitting more in like the aniseed, fennel, licorice area. Like Mm. the peppermint is really not present. And then, and then like, I can't taste ginger. I don't know if you can. No, no. But. Definitely, there's the citrusy lemon myrtle edge as well. Yes, I think it is the lemon myrtle, actually, come to think of it. Yeah, that lemon myrtle is kind of, for me, overpowering the licorice and the, spe- and the peppermint. Which I love. I love it when 
ever there's a peppermint or spearmint tea where other ingredients are overpowering that ingredient because it's so yes. easy to just become a peppermint tea. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I'm never mad about. Like the native mint tea from the rabbit hole was great because it was just a pure mint tea, which was gorgeous. Mm. But this is lovely. This is very, it's very complex. Yeah. I think there's again, something quite um, like savory in the background. Like uh, when you stop drinking and like, just sort of breathe it a bit, it's like, like, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love this. Interesting. Okay. Well, what's okay. what's your winner? I don't know. This is hard. It's definitely not it's definitely not the well-being tea with the alfalfa. Obviously. But I don't know cuz I loved the turmeric beetroot and ginger one. I don't know. The more I'm like not drinking the uh, tickle me liquor mint. <laughs> um it's like I can just taste all these other things like in my mouth now. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a good contender. I I do I oh, between the two of them it's hard. I think I would call it for turmeric beetroot and ginger. Oh, okay. 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 That was a hard that was a pivot. I thought you were about to say the tickle me licko mint. <gasps> yeah. No, I just think I was so surprised by the by that one that and, and it, it, and it did win me over taste. that one i i wasn't expecting to love it as much as i did when i first tried it and then it just kept getting better and better and better which we love we love a um a dark horse <laughs> yes we do i have to say though this one wins like 20 extra points for me just for the name i don't i honestly yeah, don't that's think that's true i don't think i can go, get to the end of an episode without awarding a tea called tickle me licko mint yeah that's very true. I mean, and compared to beetroot, turmeric, and ginger, which is <laughs> like, you know, surprisingly plain label for a tea tonic tea. They've got lots of fun names usually. Hmm, they do. Well, I'm going to call it. I'm going to stick with the tickle me licko mint, and I'm going to stick with mine. Good. We love beetroot, turmeric. Actually, I didn't taste any turmeric. Neither did but I. Whatever. Actually. Hmm. Well, I think that calls it for about a week. What do you say? I say if you uh, want to follow us on social media, you can do that at at Steeping Podcast on either Facebook or Instagram, or you can email us also at steepingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find our individual accounts <laughs> is the word. Um, I'm at Hayden Rogers on places. And I'm at Michael Mandelios on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, you can check out Tea Tonic and Organity on uh, on the internet and on social media, and <laughs> pretty much anywhere that you can find them. Just search Tea Tonic or Organity, and chances are they'll show up. Also, if you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you do follow and subscribe on whatever your podcasting service is, so that you know if we take a break or if we come back from a break or anything like that. You don't want to miss episodes. You don't want to miss the alerts. And of course, uh, make sure that you head to patreon.com slash that's not canon if you want to support the That's Not Canon Productions Network. If you haven't checked out any of the other amazing podcasts on there, I definitely recommend you do. They have over 70 podcasts now. So trust me when I say there will be something that will fascinate your niche interests. Yes. And they add new ones 
like Constantly. three times a week. So it's <laughs> great. It's very exciting. Always new new podcasts on the network. Yes. Well, T Infinity and beyond. While You Were Steeping is a That's Not Canon Productions podcast. For more information, head to that'snotcanon.com. Canon with one N.